Thank you, band. I forgot to make one announcement. The chase for the second largest Mega Millions jackpot has ended with a single ticket sold in Chicago for $1.37 billion, securing the uh, third largest jackpot in any U.S. lottery game. Had any of you made plans? I had planned for something to be up there. <laughs> Looks like we won't have that for a while. Okay. So far, we don't know who won. He or she has the option of remaining anonymous. There we go. There's our plans. And if that person is smart, we may never know. When it comes to plans, one of the best-known lines is from a poem by Robert Burns that says, The best laid plans of mice and men often go awry. The full title of the poem is To a Mouse on Turning Up Her Nest with the Plow. Burns wrote it after actually disturbing a mouse's house while he was plowing. And that line inspired a novella by John Steinbeck called Of Mice and Men. Now every teacher has rolled their eyes with the my dog ate my homework excuse but it really happened to Steinbeck. In 1936, Steinbeck's to dog, Toby, turned the first draft of, of Mice and Men into a snack. In a letter dated May 27th of that year, the future Pulitzer and Nobel Prize winner wrote, he was pretty mad, but the poor little fellow may have been acting critically. <laughs> the worst laid manuscripts of men sometimes go awry. Robert Burns not only inspired Steinbeck to write of mice and men, but it has become a proverbial expression used to signify the futility of making detailed plans when the ability to execute them fully or even partially is uncertain. John Lennon said, Life is, ha is what happens while you're busy making other plans. Plans are good and helpful and necessary, but sometimes life interrupts. We also need a plan for what happens when this night comes for us, as Jesus warns the rich man in this morning's parable. As George Bernard Shaw once said, statistics show one out of one dies. Thursday was my 71st birthday, and of all the email and, yeah, thank you, of all the email and Facebook greetings I received, I didn't hear from Bubba. Bubba Houston and I were best buddies growing up in Christ Presbyterian Church, which is now Juan Marcos Presbyterian, and I was one day older than Bubba. So every year on my birthday, Bubba called me to wish me happy birthday, and then I would call him on the next day to return the favor. But this year, Bubba didn't call. I called his number that I had in my phone, and a woman answered uh, an answering machine message that I didn't recognize. And so I contacted Bubba's sister and saw that uh, she was wishing Bubba a happy heavenly birthday. 
uh, September 14th, 2021, six weeks after the last time I heard a happy birthday from Bubba, he went on to be with the Lord. Sometimes death is what happens when you're making other plans. These last couple of years, our family has had to forego plans we made. Maybe you did too. Last year, we had to forego my 70th birthday party because of COVID. This last end of May, we had to miss our grandson's first birthday party because we had a double vaccinated boosted bout with COVID ourselves. But that's nothing compared to the millions who have lost their lives to COVID. That's nothing compared to those killed and displaced by the war in Ukraine, those starving in other parts of the world because the grain can't leave Ukraine. Ukraine's barns are filled, but the world's stomachs are empty. This last weekend, Kentucky was devastated by flooding and so many lost everything and many lost their lives. We may know what it means to have the unexpected happen to us and intrusions range from minor issues to major natural disasters like floods and fires and inhuman disasters like mass shootings. When intrusions come, how do we respond? This week in the Presbyterian Outlook, Reverend Millie Snyder told the story of Alfred Nobel. In 1888, Alfred Nobel opened a newspaper to read his own obituary entitled, The Merchant of Death is Dead. Alfred Nobel was the inventor of dynamite and uh, an armaments manufacturer. That's why he was called the Merchant of Death. Imagine reading your own obituary and learning that is how you would be remembered. The obituary was written in error, of course. It was written in response to the death of Nobel's brother, Ludwig. Alfred lived another eight years after he read this mistaken obituary, and he responded by changing his will and using his great fortune to create the Nobel Prize, to recognize significant accomplishments that brought the greatest benefit on mankind including John Steinbeck. Instead of building, dreaming of building bigger barns, Alfred Nobel dreamt of building bigger brains. In her article, Reverend Snyder wondered if Jesus' parable functions like Nobel's obituary for us. In response to a question about inheritance, Jesus tells this parable about a rich man who planned to build bigger barns to store the abundance of his crops. The man had a conversation with himself, giving himself a a dose of hedonistic permission. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. And he doesn't realize that this will be his last night before death and his stored treasures will be left sitting outside in the, the barns he hadn't taken down yet to build the new ones. Likely to be inherited by his children who will argue about how to divide the abundance. Someone in the crowd asked Jesus to tell his brother, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus decided to turn a potential family squabble into a teaching opportunity. Rather than give a specific directive, he told a parable. 
Have you ever seen how people act when it comes to dividing up estates? Even nice people sometimes go years without speaking to their siblings because one family member got something, some family heirloom that someone else thought someone they should get, and sometimes these things even go to court. In actuality, we may have more in common with the rich man than any of us would like to admit. Some people are dominated in one way or another by this pervasive materialism of our age that uh, we heard about in our prayer this morning. A bigger paycheck, a bigger house, a bigger boat, a bigger houseboat, maybe even dreaming about bigger barns. A woman who lost her husband several years ago developed a friendship with a man who had lost his spouse, and they seemed like a perfect match. All their children agreed that they should be married, so the date was set, the invitations sent out, and it read like this, Phil, Richard, Karen, Allison, John, Matt, and Steve request the honor of your presence at the marriage of their mother and father. Because they're combining two households, They already have at least two of everything, so no presents, reception, and garage sale immediately following the ceremony. (laughs) Anne and I only have one of everything, and we envision garage sales in our children's future as well. There are some principles in this story of the rich man that God calls a fool that are critical to our lives. Like most of the stories Jesus told, the emphasis is on practical application. He warned, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist of an abundance of possessions. The rich man had devoted his life to acquiring goods. What would happen to the goods when his time to die came? Would they go ungrateful, go to ungrateful squabbling relatives? He thought his wealth had brought him security, but it would not protect him from the grim reaper. To who would they be then? Of what use would they be then? Of what ultimate benefit is wealth to us? What is the proper place in our lives for it? In the first place, we need to see that the tragic thing about the rich man's in Jesus' parable, was not his wealth, but his lack of commitment to anything else in life. The tragedy was not the abundance of his wealth, but the poverty of his values. That's what Jesus was addressing with this parable to the man who was so concerned about getting his brother to get his portion of the inheritance. Patricia Clafford once said, The work will wait while you show the child the rainbow. But the rainbow won't wait while you work. What are the ways that you give of yourself? Not just your money, but of yourself, of your time, of your energy, to the things and the people that you care about and believe in. I like to challenge you to make a list of things you're committed to besides making a living and accumulating stuff. Stuff can never give us peace within. It takes more than stuff to build a loving heart. Decide what you'll be committed to more than simply making money. One of my passions is giving the gift of music. 
And over the past four years since I've retired, I've loved buying musical instruments to donate to the Kerrville Folk Foundation Musical Camp for Teens for Students for Boys and Girls Club from Central Texas. This was their 15th year. Now you can tell it's been 15 years because they still use the word teens. They haven't had the camp in the last two years because of COVID, so this was smaller than in the past. Instead of the usual 80 campers like this picture shows, we only had 29. And last week was my first time to be able to go. The focus of the camp was to introduce them to the joy of playing music and writing their own poems and songs. I was a part of group four, and thanks to our leader, Steve Seskin, we wrote a song called We All Bleed Red. Can't really read the... uh, the words there, so let me tell you what we came up with. We all bleed red. We're all the same inside. Help me understand the reasons for the great divide. Doesn't matter what you look like, where you've been, or where you're going. Let's find the beauty in our differences and let our love start showing. It must be said, we all bleed red. Out of the 29 campers, <laughs> Nine students took the ukulele class that I taught, and 14 took guitar. And the last night, the ukuleles played this little light of mine, and the ukuleles and the guitars played Lean on Me, and all students were given an instrument to take home. The joy on their faces far outweighed the pain on their fingertips. What is your passion? For what do you live besides making money? In the second place, it's not only important to focus on more than accumulating and holding on to wealth, but also to have a plan as to how to use the resources while we're here. Denzel Washington said, you ain't never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. You can't take it with you when it's your time, so it's not how much you got, it's what you do with it while you're here with it. Well, Denzel, never say never. (laughs) One man said, money usually talks and usually it says goodbye. If we do not have a plan for the wise management of our financial resources, our money will continue to say goodbye. We need to be good stewards to have a financial plan for our lives, a budget that we can live within. But in the third place, Jesus' parable points to the need to plan for how to use our resources to benefit others when our time to die comes. The question God asked the rich man that God called a fool, then who will these things be for? Indicates Jesus was describing a man who had no provision for the disposal of his wealth after his death. It's amazing how many people never get around to making a will. Some put it off because it's uncomfortable or even think talk about, talking about it or planning it as if it would make it the need for it to come sooner. Not making a will, however, ensures those that we leave behind will wish we had. Did you hear about the billionaire who died? Someone asked how much did he leave and the answer was all of it. The rich man in this parable had to plan to store his stuff to keep it in bigger barns, but he had no plan as to how to pass it on 
when he passed on. That's what a will is. It's a plan for the management of our financial resources when we pass on. It's not a foolish plan like building bigger barns. It's a faithful plan that passes on blessings to those who follow us. Jesus used this example of a rich fool to warn us of missing out on the joys of generosity, the joy of using our wealth to bring happiness and blessings to others. Daniel K. Pearson was an American philanthropist who had a lasting impact on colleges throughout the land. He grew up in poverty. He worked his way through college living in an attic, cooking frugal meals. He was a school teacher, became a physician, and afterwards was a farmer. But later he engaged in the lumber industry where he was quite successful. And he was blessed with a wife whom Dr. Pearson said she wanted me to make money to give it away. Pearson had a knack for making money, but he didn't keep it. He used it to help young people who were struggling for an education. He provided endowments for 47 colleges, particularly in Appalachia, and the Presbyterian Hospital of Chicago and the Chicago Theological Seminary. Here's how he described his life. I've had more fun than any other rich man alive. They're welcome to their automobiles and yachts. I've discovered that giving is the most exquisite delight in the world. And I intend to die penniless. And he did. One biographer said he died a poor but happy man. By the dawn of the 20th century, Daniel K. Pearson had given away more than $6 million. Imagine how much that would be in today's dollars. Pearson knew the joy of giving for others. We could truly say he laid up his treasure in heaven. Jesus ended his parable like Daniel Pearson was one who didn't store up things for himself, but was truly rich towards God. He didn't dream of building bigger barns. (laughs) He gave away his fortune to grow the demand for bigger barns and nobles. You and I may not have six million dollars to give away, but we can experience the joy of generosity. Generosity brings joy. And the rich fool of Jesus' parable lived only for himself. There are people who need our help. And as people, we need to give, not only for others' benefit, but for our own, because there is a joy in giving that comes from us letting go. May we heed Jesus' warning and not live as those who only store up things for ourselves, but are not rich for God. Without a doubt, life has its share of disappointments and misfortunes and hardships and tragedies. The intrusion of the unexpected catches all of us off guard and unprepared. There are some things that we can never expect. When Jesus wasn't teaching in parables, he preached. And in his Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 19, he said, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust consume, where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven 
where moth does not consume, rust does not consume, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Sometimes no matter how careful we are, our plan hurts someone else like our plan to plow turns over a mouse's house. Sometimes no matter how hard we plan, someone hurts our plans and our dog eats our manuscript. Sometimes no matter how well we plan, if we win, we don't win the lottery. Sometimes no matter how hard we prepare, we have to be ready to flex and flow because sometimes life is what happens when we're busy making other plans. Let us pray. Giver of life and love, you created all people as one family and call us to live together in harmony and peace. Surround us with your love as we face our challenges and our tragedies. We pray for our dear ones, for our neighbors, for strangers and aliens, those known to you alone, loving God. God of righteousness, you've given our leaders, our president, our members of Congress, the judges of our courts, the members of our legislatures, power and responsibility to protect us, to uphold our right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. We pray for all who bear such responsibility, for all who struggle to discern what is right in the face of powerful political forces. God of compassion, we give you thanks for first responders, for police officers and firefighters and EMTs and all those whose duties bring them to the streets, the lobbies, the malls, the homes. Give them courage and sound judgment in the heat of the moment. We pray for our brothers and sisters who risk their lives and their serenity as they rush to our aid to the aid of others. Merciful God, bind up the wounds of all who suffer, those left alone and grieving, those who struggle to get through one more day. Bless them with your presence and help them find hope. God who remembers, may we not forget those who have died in what we have allowed to become routine. Receive them into your heart and comfort us with your promise of eternal love and care. We pray for all who have died, those who die today, those who will die tomorrow. God of justice, help us, your church, find our voice. Empower us to change this broken world. Give us the power to rise above our fear, our fear that nothing can be done, and grant us the conviction to advocate for change. For your dream of love and harmony, loving God, make us instruments of your peace. This we pray in the name of the one who offered his life that we might live, Jesus the Christ. Amen.